We are celebrating 96 here at 1010XL this summer. And, of course, that means we are celebrating the University of Florida's 1996 National Championship season, the first in program history. And uh, my name is Hayes Carly, and I am really looking forward uh, to taking you through this journey and, and sort of recollecting what was, uh, it you know, arguably still is uh, the best team in Florida history, certainly my favorite team. And uh, looking forward to sharing why that team means so much to me. And then as we move along, you're going to hear from a lot of uh, players, coaches, uh, media that covered the team to really hopefully give us some uh, stories that we haven't heard before, uh, maybe help us remember some of the, the greatness of that team and, uh, and why they remain such a uh, pivotal part of our football culture here uh, in Jacksonville and uh, around the state of Florida. So I hope you enjoy it. Certainly appreciate you tuning in. This episode of Celebrating 96 is sponsored by the personal injury law firm of Harrell & Harrell, a local family firm available 24-7, huge gators, and my friends, you can trust them. Harrell & Harrell, don't settle for less than you deserve. Give them a call at 251-1111. As we look at the Florida uh, 96 National Championship team, I'll, I'll start by giving you my backstory as a gator. I, I, my parents got divorced when I was about four months old. So the idea of my parents living in the same house is completely foreign to me. Um, and you know, I, as you can imagine in that situ- situation, there was not a lot of cohesiveness and chemistry, uh, going along. Things were fine, but you know, it was, it was two separate families. And one thing that they had in common was a love for the Gators. My dad is a avid Gator fan, avid. Uh, to the point where he every, almost everything he owned when I was a kid was Gator-related. Uh, when Georgia beat Florida, I want to say in 81, and maybe the 10-9 to game, uh, he literally, we lived on a golf course. He literally put all of his Florida stuff into a wheelbarrow, wheeled it into the woods uh, behind like the ninth hole, and uh, sat down, poured gasoline all over it, and lit it on fire. Uh, he was so upset uh, with the Gators and said, you know, I will never let them hurt me like they have hurt me uh, this weekend. So uh, that sort of uh, gives you an idea of uh, coming from my dad's side, uh, the love for the Gators. And on my mom's side, my mom went to Georgia. But other than Herschel Walker, probably couldn't tell you another player in uh, in Georgia history. So uh, not much of a football fan, but on her side, her dad and her brother were huge Gator fans. One of the first Florida games I ever attended in the Swamp was with my grandfather and my uncle. And so uh, so I was raised a Gator, had it on both sides, and uh, loved the Gators. This is obviously well before uh, the Jaguars would come to Jacksonville. So the Gators were my team. I, uh, I you know, was a little bit of a baseball fan, would watch the Atlanta Braves uh, at night, would watch the Cubs you know, in the summer during the day on WGN. Uh, but the Braves uh, took a, a major backseat to my love for the Gators. And uh, so my dad took me to a Florida-Georgia game for the first time in 1989, and uh, I was super excited. I was 13 years old, and I knew the history. I knew Georgia dominated us and, and things like that. And we'd had moments uh, with you know the 84 win, which was spectacular. Um, but I, you know, I, was, I was old enough to know that we'd won the game. It, it was still you know, fairly, fairly new to me, but at 13, 1989, you know, I'm ready to go see my first Florida-Georgia game. So my dad takes me. And uh, Florida's in a, a tough spot. Gary Darnell's the interim coach, and uh, Galen Hall had been fired uh, after, I believe, the third game after the, the victory over LSU when Arden Krzyzewski made the game-winning kick. And uh, 
And so we're not, you know, the, I think the Florida faithful wasn't expecting much, but I'm 13 years old and this is my first Florida Georgia game. So I'm fully expecting the Gators to win. And, uh, and they don't. Rodney Hampton, I believe, uh, maybe it was Tim Worley, uh, but the Georgia just ran all over Florida. And, uh, and so Florida loses, but we stayed to the end of the game, and uh, Florida loses the game. So my dad and I are, are walking out of the bowels of the Gator Bowl, and all we're just surrounded by Georgia fans. And the Georgia fans start chanting, it's great to be a Gator hater. And I just lost it. Uh, I just started bawling. And... Uh, I uh, was, was just incredibly upset. And my dad put his arm around me and said, son, our program's Messiah is coming, and all this is going to be over soon. And he was referring to Steve Spurrier, who he thought would be Florida's next coach. And uh, certainly a couple months later, Steve Spurrier leaves Duke to return to his alma mater to coach the Gators. And the pinnacle of that success, that return, and, uh, and my dad being right was the 96 team. And s- certainly Steve Spurrier had excellent teams from the second that he got to Gainesville. But Florida had gotten close. They'd won the SECs. They'd finally snapped that streak. And finally, uh, you know, they got to the national championship game in 95. And really, I think Florida fans thought they had a pretty good chance to beat Nebraska in the Fiesta Bowl. And, of course, we all know uh, – we all know how that went. Uh, Nebraska won 62-24. to 24. Um, I, I was at Florida. I started in Florida in summer of 94, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that point. So unlike a lot of people, uh, my peers in this business, I was not working for the student newspaper, The Alligator, or doing really anything in media. I was simply a fan. And so, uh, you know, 94, great year. Uh, we uh, did lose to Auburn in the Swamp, which was one of the more devastating defeats um, is my time as a fan. But obviously the, the football team was sensational in 94, sensational in 95, undefeated, going into the Fiesta Bowl. And uh, we threw a huge house party for it. It was one of those things where every um, girl that you'd like to show up shows up. Uh, everything looks like it's going to be you know, potentially, you know, the night of your life. And uh, by the end of the second quarter, I was in my room with the door closed, devastated. And uh, so there was just always this aura about Florida that it sort of been handed down uh, to me. And by this point, uh, you know, my generation of Florida fans, we, we had sort of started to experience it of, you know, there's always going to be something that goes wrong. It's, it's wait till next year. You know, we've always had to live with the you know, statement, Florida has the arrogance of Notre Dame and the tradition of Wake Forest. And so, you know, as you went into the 96 season, Florida was a bit of a laughingstock because of how poorly they'd played in the desert, losing 62 to 24 to Nebraska. And you had to sort of deal with that. And you didn't really know how would they respond? You know, how do you bounce back from something like this? Certainly the talent was there. You know, you had Danny Warfel and a loaded defense and you know, Steve Spurrier had hired defensive coordinator Bob Stoops, who was, you know, an up-and-coming defensive mind. So he he came to Gainesville with a lot of hype. But you just didn't know how it would go. And as the season went along, I you could tell I really, you know, once they went into Knoxville and, and took care of Tennessee, that obviously they had the chance to to finally become the team to do it. And uh but but there was always that okay well hopefully hope you know hopefully they can do it they they survive a scare in Vandy I think I aged five years that day um, twenty eight to twenty one 
and then they go to Tallahassee and um, and lose twenty four to twenty one, and you felt like at that moment that that was it, that uh, that the dream was over, and you started to look uh, at the towards the future, and you said, if not now, when? Because here we've got this quarterback in Danny Warfel that you know is is arguably the best to ever play at the school. You've got a defense loaded with seniors: James Bates, uh, Lawrence Wright, Anthony Lott, Fred Weary. Uh, you know some unbelievable defensive talent. Uh, you know, and and you wondered where's the program going to go. Certainly, they're still going to be good, but it felt like this was the year. This was the year, and if it doesn't get done, then you worry about the window closing on you a little bit. And uh, and then we all know what happened uh, from there. I don't even really remember the loss in Tallahassee. I, I think it's because there was so much euphoria that came immediately after it that it's hard for me to go back. I'd be curious to know if 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 you guys as Gator fans really have vivid moments of that. And I didn't attend the game at Florida State, but to be honest with you, I don't even remember where I watched it. And, uh, you know, and, and again, most of my experiences with Gator games at this stage in my life was built around the party but still, it's odd that I don't I don't remember that for being such a big game and obviously being such a, a devastating loss. It's almost like because everything worked out, it is totally been removed from my long term memory. But um, but it was uh, it, it was unbelievable in the you know the week after that playing Alabama and you felt like Florida was going to beat Alabama that they would get off the mat and they were more talented than Alabama. And, uh, and they were able to do it. But the big thing that you just never counted on was the help that would be, that would, that would be coming. You know, Steve Spurrier referred to it as divine guidance. And that's how it felt uh, because Florida had never gotten those kind of breaks. You know, you, you, they, needed, they needed the juggernaut Nebraska to lose to Texas, who was kind of an underachiever. And lo and behold, John Makovic calls a – a brilliant pass on fourth down that Nebraska doesn't see coming. And I, I, rem- I do remember that. I remember, uh, I think I almost went through my roof. I, I jumped so high uh, when I saw that pass get completed because that was one of those games that just felt like the underdog, the Cinderella, was going to play conservative and lose the game. Uh, we've, we've, we've seen that in all manner of sports at every level uh, that, you know, the, the Cinderella gets a little tight, gets a little afraid of the success and allows the the favorite to come back and and win the game but uh, to Texas's credit they were very aggressive uh, and uh, and it, it paid off splendidly uh, not just for the Longhorns but for the Gators. So then you went into bowl season and Florida knew that it was going to come down to the Rose Bowl. If uh, Arizona State was undefeated, Jake the Snake Plummer at quarterback, uh, you know, a certainly a, a Heisman contender. Uh, Warfel would obviously win it, uh, but Jake the Snake Plummer had a lot of fans in that regard. Uh, undefeated Sun Devils going against Ohio State, and uh, Ohio State gets the win late, uh, again, setting off a massive, massive celebration in Gainesville. It, it was it was one of those things that it, it felt like a, a huge win over Tennessee or Georgia. I mean, it, it, if you were a Florida fan that night, you knew. You knew that all of a sudden the Sugar Bowl against Florida State, the rematch was for the national championship, and you did get a sense that walking off the field in Tallahassee that Florida was probably better. Uh, but Doak Campbell is an incredibly difficult place to play, and uh, and Florida State played with more of an edge. I mean, there's just no way around it. They they wanted it more that day in Tallahassee, 
and uh, say all you wanted about Echo to the whistle, but Florida State played with a, more of an edge and uh, and deserved to win the game. Florida was was sloppy in a lot of areas, but you felt like on a neutral field on turf with Danny and Ike and Riddell and Quez and you know Fred Taylor had really started to emerge and you know Terry Jackson in this defense that you had a lot of confidence going into the game despite. Florida's less than stellar record against Florida State, you really felt like Florida had a great chance to win. But what made it so sweet is no one ever saw, ever saw 52-20 to 20 coming. And uh, I, I remember watching that game at a friend's house. I was with my girlfriend. And uh, this is uh, – there's probably not a lot of you out here that are going to uh, take a lot out of this. But I just – it's weird the things that you remember from – years gone by so the broadcast starts and they always play like that song to get you sort of fired up with the football highlights to get you you know excited for the game well they played Marilyn Manson's beautiful people before that and at the time like I liked Marilyn Manson but they were like a real notorious band like it was it was hard to say that around people that you didn't really know because if you liked Marilyn Manson then there were people that certainly could form an opinion of you uh, and, it, you know, it's just a rock band, but still, uh, but they played that song and they were still a very under the radar band at that point. And I looked at my girlfriend at the time and I said, this is unbelievable. I mean, you want to talk about a great omen for how a game might go. Uh, I can't believe they're playing this song. So, um, so anyway, it, again, it's just, it's just funny what your brain remembers and what it doesn't great win for the Gators. And I remember sitting in the stands, uh, for the celebration and I still get chills thinking about it. It was it was so magnificently done. Uh, Florida Athletic Director Jeremy Foley deserves a ton of credit for getting it set up uh, in such a short amount of time. It was splendid. The crowd was phenomenal. I think they were expecting, I think the Gainesville Sun wrote uh, when they announced it that they were expecting about 30,000 to 50,000 fans to attend and the swamp was packed. Um, but I will always remember Steve Spurrier looking out at the crowd and saying, you know what, it's awesome that we can all celebrate this together, but there are a lot of Gators that didn't live to see this moment. So for them, let's all say we're number one and chant it so all the Gator fans can hear us in heaven. And that's what made Spurrier so special is he just totally got Florida. Having played there, having been immersed in the culture, having you know built the culture, he just knew. He knew the pain that Florida fans had gone through, the wait till next year. And next year had finally arrived. Uh, this was bragging rights for life. And to be able to sit there in the swamp and chant, we're number one, and think of the people that you knew that hadn't lived to see it, that would have loved it. It was, uh, it was one of the more remarkable moments of of my life as a sports fan and uh you know it, it allowed 6224 to be filed away as a as a growing pain instead of a you know a complete disaster and uh you know now it's something that you can kind of laugh at if you're a Florida fan oh yeah there goes Tommy Frazier um yep yeah we still haven't tackled Tommy Frazier nope but uh but guess what happened uh, the year after that uh, is that it was a year to the day after that uh Fiesta Bowl it was 52 to 20 in New Orleans and uh the Gators uh, could no longer be mocked. The Gators were national champions for the first time. So uh, I am thrilled to take you guys through this. 
Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Again, this episode of Celebrating 96 is sponsored by the personal injury law firm of Harrell & Harrell, local family firm available 24-7, and my friends who you can trust, huge Gator fans, Harrell & Harrell, don't settle for less than you deserve. You can call them at 251-1111. We really appreciate it. Look forward to talking with you guys again on Celebrating 96.